Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends out there? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. My name is Nate, and with me, as always, is Charles Chuck Charlie Lawrence Thompson. How's it going, man? I've got all the nicknames. Every name that there is. You know <clears throat> what we found from this interview that we're about to play for, for you guys? is that we need to be more creative and come up with better nicknames. If you guys have any nickname ideas, I'm I'm straight up asking. I'm straight up asking you right now. Please send me an email, nate at goodmorningliberty.us, and come up with just the, the best nickname in the world. I don't know what, not Nate Dog. Don't say <laughs> Nate Dog, please. I'm not, I'm not in the seventh grade anymore, okay? Cheeto, Cheeto lover. That's no, that's not it. I worry. <laughs> do me one better than that. No, I don't have any. Do actually, so, okay, all right. I don't, I don't have any. So, so you know, far, you do Cheeto look a lot like uh, John Cusack. I thought you were going to say I look like Nate Dog. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of look like a dog. I used to get John Cusack all the time. Like, yeah. hey, you know, you look like John Cusack. In fact, I was able to take that further and convince people that I was John Cusack's son, Nate Cusack. I literally watched people Wikipedia John Cusack while I was talking to them and start talking to me about how much they loved some of his movies. <laughs> Your dad was so awesome. It was awesome. I'm just being Nate Cusack. That's what I'll I used be. To, I used to do it with you. I used to play right along. I know. It was fun. Well, we got an interview today with uh, some guys that run an amazing podcast, two out of two out of the three that run an amazing podcast called Lions of Liberty. They've they've got they've got what they say, three episodes a week. Is that what they're doing right now? That's right. Yeah. So and they run kind of different shows within the podcast. And one feed. It's pretty yeah. cool. They, so one feed, and it's it's almost like just going to a Liberty radio station, and you just click on it, and you just let the Liberty play. You just let it go. You've so got go- the the flagship show, Lines of Liberty, yeah. uh, with with Mark Claire mainly yeah, you on got a, Mondays. you got Electric Liberty Land also with Mark Claire. So and, no, sorry, that's no, no. that's with Brian. Yeah. By the way, Brian's name is Brian, <laughs> not Mark. So you'll hear not Mike several times. <laughs> I don't know why you could not call him Brian. Look, I'm sick. I'm infected with the virus. You got um, the coronavirus, and I wasn't thinking straight. I yeah. still have a fever yeah. right now, honestly. <laughs> and then John but duty calls. <laughs> we had John on here too, who also runs a show called Felony Friday. So go check out Lines of Liberty after you listen to our podcast. Listen to the last 195 episodes of our podcast and then go listen to lions of liberty we will put a link to their show in this episode and uh charlie you got anything else other than that just they're good dudes for liberty they uh, seem pretty yeah. they seem pretty and it was good. a really fun conversation lots of laughs it was uh mainly and, us and, laughing at their jokes because what i noticed was they're way funnier than we are and and i wouldn't say that would, i wouldn't go that listen, far we're pretty funny um, but those guys, the, no, it, it was good. It was really funny. It was a great conversation. We did. I mean, we took a deep dive on some of like important issues and, and where the Liberty movement is, how do you advance the message, all of that stuff. It was, it was a really productive, fun conversation. Yeah. And those are my favorite types of interviews to do. But before we get to that conversation, we have to tell you guys about our sponsors. First up, the Liberty Trading Academy, guys. We've been telling you about this for the last couple weeks. A lot of you got in on that early bird we were talking about where you got a 20% discount. Uh, we are extending the seven-day free trial for everyone else. So if you want to get in on that, you have to send an email. We're about to launch next week. So send an email to 
Nate at GoodMorningLiberty.us. Make sure you're on the list, and we'll get you guys signed up for free, actually. It's a seven-day free trial, and if you hate it and you watch the first week of lessons, you're like, this is dumb. Then you just cancel. Yeah. And or, it costs you nothing. Or you sign up for the free trial. You record the first weeks of lessons. And then the next week, you sign up for the free trial again. And then you record <laughs> that a- week of lessons. That's how I'm actually going to do that so I can see the videos. Yeah. You know, no. So we're, you know, we'll be taking you all the way from first, literally first opening up your first charting software. Don't even know a word yet. Just looking at it. Don't know how to read a chart. Don't we're even gonna, know what a trade is. We're going to be going through what a trade is, all the little technical details that go inside of uh, analyzing what's going on in the pre-market before the market actually opens. A lot of people don't know. I didn't even know when I first started several years ago. I was like, I was Googling, what's pre-market? What is that? I've never heard of this pre-market before. Like, how's this, the pre-stock market doing today? Was it up? <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, we'll be going over how to analyze all the things that are happening all the way through the strategies that we use to trade every single day. You guys have seen the market just tanking this week. But guess what? That doesn't really matter when you're day trading. You're just in for a couple minutes at a time, and you then you're out. You can still make money. You still make money. You can go both ways when it comes to the stock market. That means long or short. That's what you would be doing. And even on today, you know, days like today. Hey, guess what? You're in short when we're when we're dropping twelve percent inside of one week. It doesn't matter. Everyone else is like, "Oh, my four hundred one k, it's all going down. I'm losing my retirement." Mm-mm. No, we were only in that thing for a couple minutes, and we were in on the right direction. So that's the kind of thing that we're going to be doing in this class. And you you have to think about all the things that we're offering. So there, first of all, there's nothing like this out there for only forty seven dollars a month, which is the basic tier we got set up for you. And for that, you get a live weekly Q and A. You get all of the training. It's going to be several weeks, probably. It'll be ongoing. Is what it, what it will be. It really is ongoing yeah. training. You can ask any questions you want, and then we're going to have a live Q and A once a week during. The that training then you get all of that you can ask any question there's no dumb questions we will answer all of those for you and there's nothing like the cheapest class i found out there was like 129 dollars a month and you didn't yeah. even get like a live q a it yeah. was like you just got the already recorded videos yeah and so this you're going to get the entire class you're going to have access talking to us doing live q a's you're going to get trade recap videos so you'll see exactly the trades we took what we planned out you'll see the pre-market analysis videos all everything that we picked and all the thoughts that went into that and And then there's another tier option where you can watch us do the analysis live. You can watch us pick the trades live in the pre-market and call out what it is we're going to be trading, where we're looking to get in and where we're looking to get out, all that stuff. There's all kinds of options all the way up to an option where you can do a a one-on-one training session with us once a month on top of all of that. So you want to get even in in more detail, talk about what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, all those things, all available on that class. Send me an email, nate at goodmorningliberty.us, so you can get on the list for when I send out this website to everyone here in a, here in a couple of days. It looks beautiful. The man. website is, it looks is, great. is done. The longest process of the website, honestly, has been trying to upload the like 40 videos that I'm trying to put on the website right now. And literally sitting here for like an an hour at a time trying to build the videos into the website. That's been the difficult part. The website's done. It looks immaculate. It, it looks it looks so good. It's the best website you've ever seen. It's absolutely perfect and tremendous. It's it's everything. It's what wanted. America's all about. Yeah. It's this this website itself has made America great again. <laughs> it has. So yeah, you want to you want to jump on that for sure. But yeah. 
Go do that. Nate at GoodMorningLiberty.us. Subscribe to this podcast. We talk every single day of the week about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. New episodes every single day of the week when we want to. Tell a friend. Tell a communist. Let them know that this is where they need to go to get the right information. And without further ado, we gots to bring in the guys from Lions of Liberty. How dare you presume my gender, sir? <laughs> Calling me a guy right off the bat here. You don't know what I'm wearing. I'm in a women's panties on right now. In fact, I do, but I have men's sneakers on, so I'm a bit of a conundrum. This is going to be a contentious interview, I can already tell. <laughs> at, at least at least you got for a fight. You got the best two guys from Lions of Liberty. And you can call me a guy. You can assume my gender. Doesn't okay. matter. That's fine. That's fine. When I first found you guys, and you guys were the second libertarian podcast that I found. It seemed like it was kind of one hey, show I, at first. I found you guys first, and then I found Stapleton second. So okay. nice. No one cares. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> you know, you guys operate what seems like different shows inside of the one channel. Is that is that right? Uh, do you treat it as if it's different shows? Yeah, I'll, I'll take this one. Yeah, we, we call ourselves a uh, variety podcast. So we have three distinct shows every Monday, Mark's show, uh, Wednesday, Brian's show, Electric Liberty Land. And Mark's show is more focused on, it's basically all interviews. Uh, he interviews lots of uh, libertarian leaders. They talk philosophy and all that good stuff. Brian's show. I don't know. Brian can talk about his show. <laughs> yeah, my show. Well, well, the way it drafted in was Mark, you know, so we, initially Lines of Liberty started back in the day as a website only. And we wrote a lot of articles and it was when Ron Paul was coming up. So it's back in 2008. And, you know, there was a website called the Daily Paul. So we posted there and then Mark said, oh, you know, this podcasting thing is becoming a pretty big deal. And so he and Tom Woods actually started at the same time. I'm sure a lot of your listeners know Tom Woods, mm-hmm. uh, as do you. And uh, Tom Sprinted like, like away. literally they started like the same day like really? the same day yeah wow. and tom woods is like i'm gonna do it every day of the week and mark's like well shit <laughs> so anyway tom woods got a big head start but yeah we started a long time ago and then mark um inspired Odie to do felony fridays which was a column that Odie wrote on fridays and then turned right. into a podcast and then uh i i drafted in third after I said, ah, is this worth my time? And decided it was. So my show's more comedy and culture and current news events. And of course, immediately became the best show on the uh, podcast. <laughs> but but yeah, I think it, it, it's nice because it can provide something for everybody. And it also has allowed us to go from one days to three. And and who knows, you know, we've got our, our background players. You know, there's Howie Snowden, our godfather, who kind of inspired all of us to get into liberty. We've got Rico, the illegal man of mystery. And then we've also got JB, otherwise known as Dr. Science. So I think one of them, probably Howie, I I think maybe we could convince him to take another day of the week, but we'll see. We are severely lacking in creative nicknames over here. That's the number one thing I heard in that entire entire response. (laughs) I just go by Nate. This is this is ridiculous, Nate and Charlie. What 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 should be our our names, man? We got to figure that out. We got to come up with something. All right, good. starting on Monday, we got to come up with some cool names, and you guys can kick something in. I I don't know. Nate but, the Newt and Charlie Thunder. There you, there go. you go. There you go. In, in high <laughs> school, of course, I annoyingly got Nate Dog all the time. Uh, yeah. That's what you, you hear. <laughs> oh, I've never heard that one before whatsoever. But, uh, John, I was going to ask, you know, I, the Felony Friday thing, that is a, that's a really cool idea. I mean, can you, can you tell our listeners, and I want to tell you guys, first and foremost, we've got a very large conservative listener base. Uh, hmm. I, I would say it's about half and half 
And we've tried to do this in a way where we can, I don't know, approach conservatives, Republicans and introduce them to the idea of libertarianism and kind of, you know, a little bit of a frog in boiling water kind of situation. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's kind of the goal. But, you know, if I was going to tell someone to go listen to Felony Friday, I don't know what those people would think about it. But I mean, what, what's that all about? Yeah. So Felony Friday, it, it came about, as Brian said, it started as a column. And uh, the motivation for why I started to care about the criminal justice system and really wanted to uh, do my small part to change it by uh, starting Felony Friday is I realized that I had grown up in really a bubble and I was insulated from a lot of injustice uh, that is going on in the world. And I realized this when I had my, my first job out of college, I was working in California and I was helping out in uh, human resources. We we're hiring new employees, bringing them in, adding another shift. And this was in the Inland Empire in California. For those of you, your listeners familiar with that, a very industrial area, a lot of blue collar type workers, a lot of people I didn't know at the time, but I found out quickly a lot of people with a criminal background. So going through these resumes, I found um, almost every single one had a felony, a misdemeanor, a drug, you know, drug conviction. And being the... Uh, Doing what I thought was the right thing at the time, I quickly weeded those resumes out, put them off to the side, and took the uh, three or four that didn't have uh, criminal backgrounds to my plant manager. And uh, when he looked at them, he looked down at them, looked up at me and said, where's the rest of the resumes? Where's the rest of our job <laughs> candidates? I'm like, oh, I took those ones out. Those are all the, all the bad guys, you know, all the criminals. <laughs> I got rid of them. Don't worry. He's like, um... Half the people that work here have a criminal background. We we need to uh, we need to look at them. So that was a like a big wake up call for me coming from you know, where I grew up in uh, suburbia outside of Pittsburgh. wasn't exposed to a lot of that, and then from there on, just had some later experiences in life with people close to me that uh, ended up doing some some time in prison uh, for just basically selling weed on a college campus. And uh, that launched me into this, to look into it more. And Felony Friday just kind of snowballed. I I found a couple guests who had these crazy stories of spending years and years in prison for smelling, for smelling, (laughs) for spelling, (laughs) for for selling small amounts of uh, marijuana, totally nonviolent transactions, voluntary transactions, and uh, just sharing the stories of all the hell that they've been through because of it. And then even getting out, having the stigma of being a felon. So sort of like the most popular episode on Felony Friday has become uh, this interview with a felon where they really tell their stories, say what happened, say really, I think what's really important we need to start to look at in the criminal justice system is what are the contributing factors during childhood uh, when they're growing up um, that lead people into uh, criminal activity. I mean, it's debatable calling it criminal activity if it's, uh, you know, consensual transactions, selling yeah. drugs or something like that. But what leads people into these uh, risky situations, we'll call them. And uh, so hearing that part of the story, then hearing just how terrible prison is and, you know, prison shouldn't be easy, but it's to the point that, um, you know, you hear that, you know, prison becomes a school for really learning how to break the law, a school to become a better criminal. Mm-hmm. And it's that, and it's, and it's, you know, so much worse than that. You get zero skills for the most part in prison. They don't teach you anything. You come out and uh, you have this, this label on you and you're shunned from society. You can't find a place to live. You can't find a place to work and you're right back into the cycle. So 
Felony Friday, I'm trying to expose that, shine a light on it. And uh, just one more thing I will say, I do think to your conservative audience, the criminal justice system in all of politics right now, I think criminal justice is the only area where we have a good consensus of people on the right, conservatives, people on the left, uh, progressive uh, liberals, and people in the uh, the center, like, uh, like myself, uh, a libertarian, who all agree that the system is broken and uh, we need to do something to fix it. Yeah. And you know, kind of jumping off that, when you're talking about your conservative audience, a lot of you know, conservatives often are, you know, the, they support the troops, they support the police, they support the, you know, the blue line and all that. And they're, of course, we don't want to come out and completely crap all over that. But when you listen to Felony Friday, a lot of that also is just educational for people that may not know because they just have this idea in their heads or maybe their relatives or police or military. But you really hear a lot of the underhanded stuff and from former police officers who often come on the show as well. But like things like, you know, getting these people and getting them, getting false confessions out of people, what they do as far as the real things that go on in interrogation rooms, the real ways that, that these police go around and obfuscate or, or try not to permit evidence to come into play or keep people in prison past the point where they should be let out. I mean, all of that is really on display and it can kind of shake people out of that mindset of cops good no matter what and into looking at the reality of it, which is, is like anything in life. People are people. And people have their own motives, and those motives are not just good because they happen to put on a suit and a badge. John, you you realized you're like, hey, I'm a I was part of the problem. Now I need to atone for those resumes <laughs> I kicked out. <laughs> you're like, I'm gonna start Felony Friday. But yeah, there's nothing that pisses me off more than um, some of the the injustices in the criminal justice system. I mean, you go from anywhere like making a murderer. It's nothing that makes me so angry when they modify or break the rules and there's no penalties for the prosecution. There's no penalties for the government doing wrong things, trying to get people convicted or doing any, any of that kind of stuff. I, I really like, um, there's a, a group called conservatives concerned about the death penalty. And I know Hannah Cox, the national manager mm-hmm. for that. And she's actually going around and uh, she just got Colorado to pass, um, legislation against the death penalty. So Colorado becomes the 22nd state, I believe, to abolish the death penalty, which is really cool. And one thing about our show that I like a lot is we get a lot of reviews from people from the conservative side where they say, Hey, I may not agree with everything these guys are saying, but they're opening up my eyes to libertarianism where I once thought, you know, libertarians were these selfish anarchist pricks. Now I realize, you know, that when you're also pres- they are this too. <laughs> also, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> they, they, they're they, also drug addicts. <laughs> <laughs> they think, yeah felon should rule the world but no we it, it's presenting the presenting the case in a way like you mentioned john that it's uh and mark both that you know people are just people and if you present the data and the facts and you give it to them in a way that's simplistic it starts to bring them over to uh, to the liberty side yeah. there is no way to, to piss off brian more than to call him mark so so i like that yeah thanks a lot yeah, rubbing it a lot. mark's got beautiful I was, hair i don't i was missing I mark i guess i've got four other be- i've got many other benefits though but no you know it's like i was talking to um i had nick gillespie on the show recently from reason and we were talking about a little bit like messaging moving forward and one of the things that i want to talk to him and and mostly as far as we're concerned like messaging for liberty in general trying to bring people to your side is like solution-based answers and trying to win people over by presenting them with you know like you're saying trying to be more compassionate and from libertarian side of things like reaching to the left which tends to be more difficult as far as i found as far as bridging gaps even though you think we have more in common in many ways um 
but trying to point, point out to these people like just how the systems are failing and try to do it in a compassionate way though and not just say look you're an idiot for thinking this and you're and all of your systems are moronic you moron and uh, slap them about the head but instead be like look we want to help people in the same way but we need to find a different way to do it because clearly all of these things that have put into practice and it was funny if you watch the, the democratic debates when they were talking about reaching the black population and helping them with housing they literally listed like every single thing they've done wrong over the past 50 years to hurt the black population. So we can point to these things and go, look, it's not working. We want to help these people, but we have a different idea of how to go about that. And if you don't give it a try, maybe we could find a little bit of progress. Well, we have a way that could actually help the people, not not just keep them in dependency for, for generation after generation. Right, right. You know, it's not like idea. we don't have 50 years of proof, tried and true proof that yeah. the way that things are going about right now are failing and have failed, but we keep just throwing more money at the problem. No, we, just need, we just need the right leader in place. That's That's been the only problem. If we can just get <laughs> exactly. the right person in charge, then then only someone would it. believe enough and more money and they need more money. One One thing I've always said to conservatives is, you know, uh, a lot of conservatives would say that they want limited government. They don't trust the government. They'll talk about communism and socialism, all these things and how we don't need the centralized power. And somehow that doesn't always translate to the enforcement side of our government. And uh, I've always found that really interesting because if the government is inefficient and, and does things poorly, makes a lot of mistakes, surely that has to transfer to to everyone that is working within the government. And it doesn't even mean that they're doesn't even mean that they're bad people. You know, we don't we don't talk negatively about police officers on on the show, but the incentive structure that is set up in that entire system. I mean, it it's it breeds what you see right now it's just the incentive structure that's set up you've got to be able to believe that if you want limited government and the government makes mistakes i mean doesn't that translate to all parts of the government why would you have a section i speak negatively about some of them like the ones that shoot people in the (laughs) back well yeah yeah i mean (laughs) obvious that that stuff i'm just saying like police in general i'm not saying they're all they're terrible people or anything i i think they're I think they're dealing with a law book that could have about 99% of the things removed from it. And then they could, they could work inside of that. That'd be a lot better. But you guys, you know, you guys talk a lot about the Libertarian Party and, and all that. I want your update. How is it looking as far as the 2020 candidates go? I got to tell you, I'm a member of the Libertarian Party. Actually, thank you to uh, thanks to Mark Claire for talking me into uh, sending the LP my money. Uh, but I have no idea who is running for president <laughs> under the party. I'm one of those terrible libertarians, I guess. But who do you guys like? What's going on? What's going on in the LP? Well, there's, there's so many candidates. I mean, I, Mark and I were just at the California convention and there were something like 12 candidates on the ballot. I'm sure there are more out there. You know, like Arvin Vora wasn't even there and he's on the, he's going to be running for president as well. I mean, as far as who I like, I and I think Odie will, uh, will back me up on this one, but my my favorite is still Jacob Hornberger. He's been a libertarian forever. He has a, a notable disagreement with Harry Brown, which is how most people probably know his name. But he's been around forever. He knows libertarianism inside and out, and he's very uh, very eloquent as far as defending the principles of it. And I think he's also a realist because when we were talking to him and we did a little interview with him as well at the convention, you know, he's very pragmatic in, in saying we're not going to win. This is not the year, you know, libertarian, we have too far to go, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to win. We shouldn't try to get as many votes as possible and also use this as an education platform. 
Uh, Odie, Which, what are your thoughts? I would say just to stay on Hornberger for a minute, I totally agree with you that he is the, so he's, I would equate him to a, to a Ron Paul. Um, you know, he knows the the principles Ooh. of Liberty inside and out. He can communicate the message, um, comes across very, uh, he's very mild mannered. I um, in the same way that Dr. Paul is the problem with Jacob Hornberger is he lacks uh, the energy, lacks the uh, charisma, the ability to, to get attention, which is okay if you're a uh, Republican candidate like Ron Paul and you're able to get on the debate stage and you can have a, a moment where you can interject something and you know really uh, make people think. But if you're a Libertarian Party candidate and uh, you're just going to go on your typical cable news shows, which is not even like the prime cable news shows. They'll put you on Russia Today and, and that stuff. Right, yeah. And, and you'll just answer your questions and blah, 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 and nobody will hear from you. Nobody will... Uh, no, no, very few people will be, converted, will be converted to the ideas of liberty by Jacob Hornberger in the way that the current system is set up. And, I mean, you can fault the current system for that, I do, but at the same time, you know, we're going to be looking at an uh, election with Donald Trump very loud and boisterous, a Bernie Sanders, very loud and boisterous, and a Libertarian Party candidate who is uh, mild-mannered is just not going to really move the ball, I don't think. I don't know. I mean, it all depends on whether or not we can get a Hornberger into a debate. You know, that's well, what I'll, I'll tell you what's going to happen there. That's zero chance of that. Yeah, well, I would agree with you, but I know some progress has been made. I know Gary Johnson was making progress in that realm, but I mean, even if he gets one shot, I think that Bernie for all his blustering, is a shrinking violet. And he can be hit on so many different issues where libertarians can really jump on him and attack him and, you know, kind of double do a little double teaming along with Trump in a lot of ways. So I think that Hornberger would have a chance to counterpunch or even go on the offensive uh, in that regard. And I did see, like, when he was on stage at the California convention, he was a little bit more feisty, but it was, it was overall very mild-mannered. But I look at the other people that would come up there, I mean, I guess you could say Arvin Vora would be more, uh, he'd get more ink, but I don't know if that's good ink. And, you know, Vermin Supreme, as interesting as that might be, probably would do more damage than good for the party. Well, t- tell them, the listeners, you don't know who, who Vermin Supreme is. because probably, <laughs> okay. most people oh, yeah, maybe probably some the, the only candidate they've don't. actually seen, more than likely. Yeah, maybe, yeah. The guy with the boot on his head <laughs> yeah. is Vermin Supreme. I, I, <laughs> I, listen, I get, I get it. I I get it, Mr. Supreme. Um, yeah. I just don't think it's doing any good for the party. And if, if your principle is that you actually want to further this message, I understand the joke. I, I, I do. Yeah. But that is going to be the person that's going to get played if if you were to have, you know, John Stossel does another debate and Vermin, Vermin Supreme is... Can I say his name properly? Vermin Supreme. That's it. That's it. There. there it is. It yeah. sounds. It sounds could, wrong wanted, when it comes out. I, I but that's right. I wanted to call him yeah. Vernon, but uh, they, that's, that's <laughs> not it. Nate has a little bit of a lisp, so I, we. That's okay now. We try to get past that. Every, that's yeah. why we record every day to make sure we get at least one good episode. <laughs> it's practice. Yeah, <laughs> just to check. But yeah, I mean, you guys, you guys know what I'm saying. It just seems like it's going to hurt the image more than than whatever it is he's trying to do to help. Well, I think you saw some of that. Back in 2008 and 2012 with some of the commentary on, you know, Ron Paul being a kook and the libertarians are kooks and all of that kind of you stuff. You get the shirtless guy dancing on stage like yeah, there, there's yeah. your there's your highlight. And right there. in principle, I totally agree with the freedom to do that. But you have to wonder, you know, there has to be certain standards that are met. Like one thing I like about, you know, we've we spoke at the Young Americans for Liberty convention a couple times now. And one thing I like about their organization is they actually have like a dress code and stuff. And it's <laughs> it's not to 
to dog on your freedom, but it's to say, hey, if you're going to show up and be a part of what we're doing here, like you got to wear a tie or at least a sport right, coat or right. something. Well, and know? look, that's not unlibertarian. And, right. that, you know, it's it, if it's an organization that you are uh, voluntarily opting to be a part of, that, that organization can put restrictions on what they do or do not allow at the convention. Oh. Or maybe maybe you've got free speech, free uh, dress code zones. How did I go over there? But <laughs> I do agree with your point. You know, when you have a media that is definitively against you, they're going to look for anything to jump on it. And, you know, I do public relations for a living, so I know how this thing works, but they're going to look for that weakness to exploit. And that fat naked guy is always the weakness to exploit. As good as the messaging might be, you need to have something to take people's eyes away from that. And hopefully this is a, a year in which maybe they'll, they'll try to rein in. And I'm even of the opinion, as much as people might hate it, uh, for example, at the LA convention, there was a guy, Mike Shipley, who was pretty much completely against any top-down leadership, which to me, I get it. I get the libertarian aspect of that where we want localization in all forms. But when you're trying to run an organization that's trying to make a dent against these two major parties, you have to have some sort of messaging that does in fact trickle down and people stick to. Otherwise, you come across as completely disorganized and just a goddamn mess that nobody is interested in supporting. You sound so, like you an know, authoritarian, Brian. <laughs> I, I know, right? Status yeah. authoritarian McWilliams. No, 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 but, but I mean, I, 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 will, I will push back on that. <laughs> okay, go for it. I will push it. back on that because, I mean, the, the spirit, and this is, I mean, another one of the presidential candidates, Mark Whitney, um, who caused quite a stir at the uh, the Florida Libertarian Party Convention last weekend. I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, so that was last weekend, what, the, the 21st, February 21st, where... Uh, he had called Jacob Hornberger, I won't swear, but he called him a bad word in an uh, interview with the Libertarian Republic. And basically, he submitted, Mark submitted to me, he was just trying to, to stir the race up, just trying to get his name out there, which, which it did that. And the uh, Libertarian Party of Florida came back and said, if you swear on the stage, um, or if you don't agree to not swear on the stage, we're not going to broadcast the live stream, which he took as, and this was sort of misinterpreted. He said that it's a violation of free speech, not in the way that it would be a First Amendment violation because it is a private organization. But as libertarians, we should have the spirit of free speech. Uh, that's not to say that, you know, he would plan on going up, going up on the stage and, and swear like and swear or whatever, drop his pants or whatever people do at libertarian <laughs> conventions. But I think that the spirit of that free speech is important. And I really don't have an issue with uh, Mike Shipley or whoever is, is running for these positions and advocating for, uh, you know, grassroots leadership to come up to the organization. I think that's good. I, I don't think we need to pretend to be like the Republican Party and, and the Democratic Party. I mean, there's going to be, be people who, who do embarrassing things. Well, I think that, I, you know, I, I understand with the, I, I understand the idea and I agree with the idea of that. What I would say is that it's just, it's purely not a winning mess like if you actually are trying to compete and get people get the 97 percent of the country who isn't voting for you or the voting block that isn't voting for you to actually consider you i don't know i just i feel like you got to consider some type of a message that they're going to agree with i i agree philosophically completely with that idea well Exactly, as do I. But it also comes down to the fact that libertarians are notorious for infighting. And granted, we're watching the DNC melt down trying to destroy Bernie Sanders at the moment. But it's lovely. Still, you know, libertarians, <laughs> they get an hour for argues about infinitesimally small nonsense words within a platform. And 
that could, that does come from this belief that everybody has their belief that they are the absolute right thing and the libertarians have to go in this direction. That one, there needs to be a little bit more concessions made to forward the entire concept of liberty and move the platform forward. And you, I think the more you focus on, okay, we don't want to reject, you know, we reject national messaging. We reject this. We want to have localization. I think you encourage more of that, which is good and bad. And I think where we are right now, it's more bad than good. Well, Brian, so in order to I'm, get a I'm little bit more liberty, we just need to give up a little bit of liberty, right? No, <laughs> well, you're not giving no, up any liberty, but you can agree to you can agree to disagree and and put forward something that you're not going to be screaming about and tearing down in front of people publicly constantly, which makes people not want to support you. Well, and the point well, is, the guy me, is he is allowed he is to allowed to run. He is running on the platform, and and that's you know if if that's the message that the people want to go towards, then right. no one no mm-hmm. one's stopping him. You know, well, that, let me right? uh, let me break this down to you know what it actually is in my opinion which is the political realm is a game right and so if you boil it all the way down to what what is a game well a game has rules and a game has limitations and by the libertarian party forming itself it's joined that political game and so if you want to compete inside of that game and actually win then i think you have to follow some of the rules that society would deem appropriate and when you don't do that, then you don't get the following. I mean, look at the biggest person who has advanced liberty in our lifetime is Ron Paul, who was a Republican. He played mm-hmm. the damn game. Mm-hmm. Like, right. he, he, of course, he ran for libertarian in 1980. But then after that, he was like, well, yeah. sorry, 88. Yeah. After that, he was like, well, if I'm going to actually, you know, have a chance and, and advance the message like I want to and reach the people I want to, I got to play the damn game. So either you're playing the game or you're not. And this is where I think the Libertarian Party is at a is at a fork in the road where they have to decide, OK, if we're going to play the game, then we have got to advance some rules that may be anti-libertarian, let's say. But at least it gets us in the door to where we can actually win the game or they can decide, you know, to keep following, you know, principles and always lose. I mean, to me, that's just the way it looks. So you don't want to have any principles, Charlie? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying you're in the game. Libertarian party is in the game. If there's three parties, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, you're I, in the game. No, they're, they're not, they're not really, I mean, not in the same game. It's like we're in the minor leagues. It's yeah. like uh, Democrats or Republicans or, you know, major league baseball. And we're in like single A and every once in a while they might call us up and you get a, you know, pinch hitting ap- appearance, but, You'll probably strike out and then they'll make fun of you for it. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's actually, I like the analogy. <laughs> what so, we need to do is start throwing fastballs at the bull mascot walking behind the uh, home plate. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you do the math. That's it. That's it. So, uh, so obviously, Charlie, you're saying that, I mean, should the Libertarian Party just nominate like a, a Rand Paul and, and, and win? Then, you know, so they could actually get some type of message out there what 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 would you do there um i mean i think if Rand wanted to run as a libertarian party candidate i don't think that it would be ill-advised to nominate him to be the libertarian party (laughs) candidate i mean i think someone with that would probably actually help the visibility of the party for right right but um but then is it the libertarian party anymore Right, exactly. Yeah. That's the worry with Lincoln Chafee coming on board, and people. A lot of people are supporting Lincoln Chafee, who, of course, has run from everything under the sun, but most recently was GOP. But you, yeah, you ask it by running somebody that's that candidate that people associate with the Republican Party so often. Uh, and it also, you know, I used to do a whole podcast, Rand pluses and minuses, where I'd rip yeah. Rand or, or reward him, and also 
way back when, when we were still writing articles for the website, I wrote an article basically questioning if Rand Paul was good or not for liberty because he was labeled a libertarian all the time. And yet he would go on you know, often and say, well, an attack on Israel's attack on the United States, which I don't agree with because they are a sovereign nation. Not the United States. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to have people go and die for it. I want my taxes paying for it. So, you know, it, you risk that it's a big risk reward there. Now with Rand, I think because of the Paul association, he probably would still be a good candidate for us. A Lincoln Chafee, on the other hand, I am vehemently opposed to just like Bill, you know, Bill frozen face in the whiskey freezer. Well, when he was running <laughs> for VP of the party, he was garbage. Everybody should have known he was garbage. And then the guy goes out and, you know, shills for Hillary Clinton. And now he's out running against to try to primary Trump and failing as well. So it's just a, it's kind of a joke and you become even more of a laughing stock. When people see that you've got no moral compass and you're willing to chuck these people up there just to get a few extra votes. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, it can't get much worse than Johnson and Weld, right? I mean, no, that's what we did in 2016. Not. And no. so well, that's so with all these talks about principles and everything and, and being true to the party and all that. And then what do we get? We get Johnson and Weld as the people who mm-hmm. are on the ticket. You know, yeah. it's, it's pretty frustrating. I, I saw some crap the other day on I think it was on the Libertarian Party's uh, one of their main groups. But a lot of people saying that they were going to vote. Vote for Bernie Sanders uh, just to punish. Yeah, like a, the actual thread, hundreds of comments on their group saying that it was actually best for liberty to vote for Bernie Sanders. And and actually, I saw the guy that was running primary against uh, against Trump, Joe Walsh, not the guy from the Eagles, but Joe Walsh uh, was <laughs> is was running in the primary. And he said uh, yesterday, the day before, that he not only is going to vote for Bernie if he's a nominee, he's going to campaign for Bernie if Bernie is the nominee, just because he's- he thinks that Trump is so terrible. And my, my question is, like, you actually think that, that Bernie is the most moral vote that you can make that's like the best vote for liberty right there i don't get it that that's that's joe walsh who said he would campaign for bernie yes and that's i mean that's the he's a never trumper and i know a lot of never trumpers and their their arguments don't make any sense um that they would rather have an outright socialist as president than Donald Trump, who says some mean things that maybe make them feel uncomfortable. I, I don't, I don't understand the argument. And that's not that I'm saying that Donald Trump, you know, has been a great president. And I agree with everything that he's done. I don't, there's a lot of areas where he's been terrible, specifically foreign policy. And we can talk about that if you want to, but to say that just because you're mad about the way Trump talks to the media or, or talks about different people, or that you want a socialist in there, that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this guys is Donald Trump, and think about it, is Donald Trump the best president of your lifetime? As far as libertarian values, as far as, as li- basic liberty, is he the best president of your lifetime? Oh, no. Gosh. Well, you know, I, I will name still, somebody better. I name was still here. I'm trying to compare with Reagan real quick because, uh, you know, technically he was the president when, when you I were was, born, when I was born <laughs> in the year after. But but I still uh, I haven't looked at the numbers yet to see who grew the government the most while they were while they were well, in power. That, but don't forget that Reagan also was importing crack cocaine into the ghettos, uh, that Reagan was funding illegal wars and, and arming the uh, the Contras. He was not exactly the most liberty friendly guy out there. I think he it, was the best. It's almost uh, hard to I think it's hard to compare before and after 9/11. Sorry to, to interrupt Clinton, there, but I think that's Compared to Clinton for me. 
<laughs> what for? Because I was a young, I was a young child. But going back, at least economically speaking, when it comes to the debt taxes and things like that, things didn't seem to be so bad under Clinton. Plus, I'm, no, Dem- I'm no Democratic he, fan. He could play saxophone really well. So right, that's a could. plus. Yeah, Clinton was actually good on the debt because they, I mean I think we actually had a surplus at one point, yeah. Uh, yeah. which was mm-hmm. so now I don't give Clinton credit for that specifically though. Just like I don't fault Trump for the deficit going as big as it has. I fault Congress because Congress really does still control the purse strings, purse strings, and when you have runaway, you know, like we were talking about this earlier, both parties are have completely abandoned any fiscal responsibility. So I don't blame the president specifically for that. And I have a hard time really going back and saying, okay, well, this is the president's fault that we have a deficit or that we had a surplus. I don't give Clinton credit for that. I'm looking more at the policies and, you know, Clinton, again, put a generation of black men in jail with the three strikes policy. He really uh, afforded the drug war at a record breaking place pace. He had his own set of scandals while he was in the white house. Um, So there's a lot to hate there too. And then I compare it. And of course, you know, Clinton also was, it's not like he had a small military. It's not like he was uh, foreign to military intervention either. So I look at a Donald Trump and I go, okay, well, I hate the tariff stuff. That has been, you know, everybody's used tariffs still. Um, but he hasn't started any new wars. He's at least uh, kept things on a, on a minimum. He's you know, t- had at least talked to North Korea. He's talked to our enemies. He's tried to calm things down. He's talked about anti-regime change. even though he hasn't lived up to it, granted. But he doesn't, he hasn't made these egregious infringements on personal liberties to the point that I think other presidents have. Now, plus he criminal has justice done that to the plus criminal justice. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Now, you could, you could argue that maybe personal liberties as far as immigration uh, were under Trump a little bit more of a, a violation. But, <laughs> but then again, Bill Clinton was very anti illegal immigration too. So. Yeah, it's, you know, if I were to exclude the one year that I was alive while Reagan was president, if I were to exclude that and pretend like I wasn't super political at that time, um, I would, you know, I guess I would have to say that presidents in my lifetime, that Trump would be the most libertarian president that that I've lived under. And that's. Um, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that right I, now. To right, tell you the exactly. truth, I never thought about it. That, yeah, that's the thing is it's yeah. a horrible, dirty thing to say, but I mean, <laughs> there's a lot to say that it's it's true. I you know. know, it's embarrassing. That's I think it just means question. we've had some terrible presidents. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, <laughs> that could be. You know, the question I asked Charlie because I was trying to get Charlie to say whether or not he would vote for Trump. And I, I mean, we're in Tennessee. We don't have to worry about being a swing state or anything like that. Tennessee is going to go to Trump. That's just that's how it is. So we can vote libertarian or write in whatever we want and not really have to worry about it. But I asked Charlie, I said on election night or just say the day after, who do you hope wins the election versus Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders or any of the other Democratic candidates right now? Who do you hope wins that election? And it would be difficult. I feel like it would be a lie to say that in the back of your mind, in the deepest, dark places that you wouldn't be saying, I really hope Trump pulls this out. And and to me, if you're if you will say that right there, then you could make an argument that voting for him wouldn't even be the worst thing in the world because you just said you hope he wins. Yeah, no, so, I know, man. I, I've had that dark, dirty thought. Yeah. No, I mean, and I'll, I'm, I'll freely admit it right now. I hope he wins the election, especially, good God, if it's Bernie Sanders that he's going up against. Um, uh, there's no question about it. I don't understand how a libertarian or even a Joe Walsh guy like that could somehow think 
that Bernie's presidency would be more moral or better for liberty than having, sure, someone who maybe's got some corruption and he says mean things. I get that. None of that's good. None of that's good well, whatsoever. Well, Bernie, but Bernie's no angel either. No, Christ, no. Look how much money his wife's gotten from screwing over in college, basically tanking a college and making out like a bandit. I mean, he's still worth millions of dollars. He's He's got his own dark skeletons, which I'm sure will be exposed soon enough. But yeah, I mean, as far as the authoritarianism, Donald Trump has a reputation as an authoritarian, but really what he's done as far as the everyday American, nothing as authoritarian. I mean, you can even argue that we've had more marijuana uh, you know, acceptance. We've had, uh, like Odie said, uh, criminal justice reform under Trump. So yeah, getting Bernie in there would be an absolute nightmare. And I don't even think he'd be better when it comes to foreign policy because he's such a, really at the end of the day, Bernie's a pushover. And I think he will gladly keep the military industrial complex churning along in exchange for ripping away our right to, to choose our doctor and have our own healthcare plans. He'll make that deal with the devil, the devil being the military industrial complex in order to keep the healthcare lobby happy and push forward his Medicare for, Medicare for all and force all Americans into it. Mm-hmm. Can you can you guys believe that we're at a point in time where we're talking about the actual possibility that Bernie Sanders could be the president? I, I, I never thought we would get there, and I don't know why because I've been talking I've been talking terribly about the direction our country's been heading in for so long now. But I, for some reason, I never actually considered that this could be a possibility. I, at, I, I don't all. I don't think it's very probable. I mean, yeah. unless the coronavirus wipes out all the Trump supporters, I, I, don't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't see Bernie and Biden both have the same problem. Well, multiple problems. They're both very old and they look very old and they're both Democrats, meaning that if they get the nomination, um, they're going to have to make a woman their VP, which is fine. That's great having a woman as a VP, yeah, but right. it's going to be a younger woman probably attractive younger woman, and it's going to make them both look older and more senile. So you get, you get that contrast there. I, I can't see any way other than something crazy happening, a huge economic collapse or coronavirus kills us all. I can't see any way that Bernie or Biden beat Trump in the general election. Yeah, I don't see. I actually don't see anybody on the Democratic side beating Trump without some sort of economic collapse. But I think Bloomberg would have done a proper swipe of his history before he decided to get in the race. I think he would have had a shot at it, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't see that being the chance we, whatsoever. Nate and I can no longer, you know, after the not the last debate, but the day, debate before when <laughs> Bloomberg was like. It, uh, here's a socialist, a millionaire socialist with three houses. What am I missing here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a like line of the night. Even though he got killed, that debate. what am I so missing good. here? What am I missing here? <laughs> <laughs> so good. I secretly though in 2016, I you know I was sitting there watching it, and I really didn't think. Well, I thought Trump had a chance more so than what the polls were giving him, obviously, because we understand statistics and polling. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I was watching it. And then after he won a few states, I was like, oh, my God, Trump's going to win. This is the greatest thing yeah. ever, because <laughs> I was I just I, all the meltdown that after happened afterwards. I had already pictured that in my mind, and it was even better than what uh, it was than, glorious than what watching I could even imagine. Watching. Oh, God, yeah. Watching the weeping crowds in the uh, stadium, waiting for Hillary Clinton to come out and say something and then her just completely abandoning them and not even coming out to be like, thanks for the support. She had to be so sloppy drunk at that point. I wish she came out. That would have been glorious. Probably hanging someone at that time, I would say. um, So I was going to ask you guys. She was plotting Epstein's demise. um, So when it comes to some of his policies, now what was interesting is, uh, is Brian you said you know he's done 
better on foreign policy because we haven't started any new wars and that's been right. that's been nice and then john you said he's done a lot of bad things in foreign policy and we can talk about that later so i just wanted to try to get what your guys's opinions were on on what the foreign policy is has been like has it been better has it been as terrible as it's always been or well, I, uh, what I think are we looking at I, I think it's maybe it's one of those things where some of it is just the way technology's changed um you know Trump, I forget what the numbers are. I know Brian had an interview with uh, Michael Bolden maybe a mm-hmm. year ago. We're breaking down the difference between drone bombings between Obama and Trump. And Trump was at a higher percentage of drone bombings. But yeah, I think a part of that more is bombs. Yeah, there's more just bombs. more drones. So we're just using drones a lot more. So so there's just less of everything else. Well, Trump, um, he drops bigger bombs. Also, we've got, we've got, way more <laughs> cell, we've got way more cell phone usage under Trump than we did under Reagan. So... You know, that's kind of the same thing. <laughs> exactly. I agree with John, though, because here's the thing is that uh, although I don't think our foreign policy has necessarily gotten worse, Trump still didn't live up to his campaign promises and neither have the last four presidents. They've all right. said, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to bring the troops home. That's what they all run on. The last 40 presidents. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and that doesn't change. So I, I agree there. He hasn't really lived up to his campaign promises. I was hoping to see an improvement in foreign policy, but I would say it's pretty much stayed yeah, the when same. You got the Iraqi government voting and saying, hey, we'd like you to leave, please. Uh, can you guys we're yeah. good we'll take it from here and he's like oh we're gonna put sanctions on you we're gonna we're gonna force you guys to allow us to stay here i mean now i mean if you weren't already before you're officially an occupying force in someone else's country that is oh, without a doubt well, mean, we, we've definitely been that through the entire yeah. time and he did assassinate soleimani but at least unlike obama he didn't assassinate americans uh in yeah. iraq yeah or, or in afghanistan but i i will say this though on the, on the other side of, of foreign policy we are finally getting to the point, and the you know Afghanistan, and maybe this is credit to Rand Paul of really drawing attention to it, and he does seem to have Trump's ear, but um, making it a priority to get out of Afghanistan. I do think Trump wants to do that, and it sounds like finally the ceasefire is working, things are calming down, so we might actually see progress on that front. Uh, Syria, you know, we did pull the troops out of there, yeah, left those poor uh, God, what are they? What are the names of them? The uh, the Kurds, the poor Kurds who were going to be massacred and nothing ever happened to them. At least he pulled out of that, you know, got us out of that, that conflict. So I don't know. There's good and bad to everything, but unlike other presidents, he hasn't made a massive surge. Yeah, I, again, he, we haven't seen a big uptick in troops on the ground, although he did just send 2,500 troops to Saudi Arabia. So. Yeah, and we really don't know how many. I know. I'm like many. undermining my own point yeah. as I'm talking. Here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what it is. I mean, it, layers it, it, of this cake, you know, it's like, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> it really is both sides. I mean, there are good things. And then there, and you say, you know, he's added these troops and we don't even know how many yep. different contractors are over there. Right. Like, sure, yeah, we Blackwater we replace there. them with with private contractors. And that's something we like to do. I, I do think it says something about Trump's uh, philosophy on it. I don't think he likes war. I really don't think he likes any of the conflict whatsoever. I think him sending Rand Paul to Iran uh, secretly and you know no one really known about it mm-hmm. until he got back I think that says a lot really about what Trump yeah. actually wants out of, out of the Middle East um, just the fact that you would that you would have Rand Paul go over there and talk to them and try to do some negotiation well he's all about I working mean, out deals that's it I mean that's right. that should tell you something about what Trump the man feels about war now you know he's obviously he came in we've we're in all these countries the wars are ongoing and and I guess he just doesn't want to pull out immediately uh which i well, that, I, would, I would do but maybe he just doesn't feel like he can do that that brings know. me to my point i was going to bring up and not to be a conspiracy theorist but <laughs> what what do you guys think about 
what does this tell you with with all these presidents running on campaigning of bringing the troops home and they get in there and they don't do any of that hardly like what does that tell you about how much power the the military industrial complex and the intelligence communities actually have i mean these career unelected bureaucrats that have been in there 25 30 years that actually maybe run the show you know is there some type of of fear they they give the presidents to not make those decisions you think is there some type of like intelligence we just don't know about where they convince well, them or they sell them on it well, like they, they read that book of secrets their first day in office okay. and there, there must be a lot of stuff in that <laughs> right. book that we just don't know about well the, the book of secrets but also uh you know the non-nick cage related stuff is that you've got i mean you had an instance where uh comey went up and literally sat down with donald trump and put the steel dossier on his desk and went hey you know we've got this thing just by the way so i think a lot of that goes on with the deep state where they're so tied in intricately with the military industrial complex that they're going in and saying look we can destroy you we're, we're happy to make stuff up and we want you to know that so i think that's something that's very transparent but it's also on the American people being gullible and stupid and not standing up for what they actually believe in and also just having it too good at home. We are, you know, these wars are going on constantly. Are they affecting me in any way? Nope, not really. So I don't think mm -hmm. about them. And the, and the everyday American has this, this privileged life wherein we are so well protected. We are on our little island here that we don't, we don't rise, raise our voices up. We don't protest anymore because we are not being drafted. We're not being bombed. It is as if it doesn't exist, you know? Yeah, that's one. We had a conversation not that long ago, another interview that we did. I honestly can't remember who it was, but that was one point I brought up is that Americans have become so comfortable because it's not happening in their backyard. You know, there was an Onion article that I thought was so relevant, actually, but it talked about Iran sending their military jets over to Chicago to help curb the violence in the streets of Chicago. <laughs> like, imagine, imagine if other countries did the same thing we were doing. And it's it's because I guess they're brown and they live in the sand like it. We don't think about them, you know, like <laughs> I don't think to, it's really on racial. Well, reasons, I'm not saying but, I'm not. I'm just bringing that into and I don't play. Think we it's have like, anything against sand. Per <laughs> we call them sand hobbits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're just, lovely people. They sing and they love tea and crumpets. <laughs> but I just wondered, because, you know, especially like in Syria or you look back at pictures of uh, Iran and Syria and these places that, of course, like some of the dictatorships have been awful. Um, but I think Iraq is a perfect example where you had a terrible dictator. But now the situation has been made even worse. And we've killed now over a million people between civilians and military. And it's like how much blood needs to be shed and, and how do we I don't know how do you. I guess how do you spin the message or, or help encourage people to be like, man, if this if if your brother was killed by a drone strike, don't you think you would join the opposition too? So so I think let me tie this in with your conservative audience with uh, something else that they might um, hate me for. So <laughs> you, you were talking about the death penalty before, and uh, I mean Hannah Cox is doing great work. I've interviewed her with conservatives against the death penalty. It's growing. I think more and more conservatives are waking up to that. But I know a lot of conservatives. A lot of Republicans who, when I say to them, I mean, personally, the, the number one reason why I'm against the death penalty is because the justice system's broken and innocent people will die because they're not going to get it right. And they'll respond and say, well, that's okay. Innocent people can die as long as we get the really bad ones. And I think a lot of conservatives have that same view in foreign policy. And that, that view is presented, um, it's really clear when they talk about, well, let's fight them over there so we don't fight them over here. So why is it morally better in any way to destroy people where they live in their home than to 
have the risk exists that they could come here. We would have to defend ourselves here. Um, it's, I, I don't know. I think that's the prevailing attitude though. Yeah. Their argument really makes the case for why we would, we don't even need the second amendment. I mean, we're all protected by all these other things. You know, it's, we're no. never going to have to fight here ever. We'll always fight other people somewhere it's, else. It's out of you sight, know? out of mind. Yeah. It's, I was, I, I'm back on the death penalty for a minute. I think, you know, people, organizations, uh, companies like Netflix have done a really great job of getting the word out on just how terrible the death penalty really can be, just how corrupt it can be. Um, did you guys, did either one of you guys see that uh, documentary called Long Shot on there? Um, no, about no, the guy who was at a he had been basically pinpointed by a, an eyewitness we don't uh, have time to watch documentaries he was, I was, yeah I was watching it while <laughs> I was working um, but he was pinpointed by an eyewitness and he was at a baseball game while, while this murder happened and he was pinpointed by an eyewitness who later you found out that the detectives printed out a sheet with a bunch of faces and they had pre-circled his face on the on the sheet uh, so so they were let go after after that came out. You have no idea how often that happens. Uh, but they were let go after that came out. And the only thing that ended up saving this guy from going on to the death penalty was the fact that the TV show Curb Your Enthusiasm was shooting an episode in his section at the baseball game that night. And they happened to catch him walking down the steps uh, wow. towards his seat. And that and that was it. That was all I the did comment. hear about that. Okay. I yeah. hope that they ended the uh, the documentary with. Dun, 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 dun. Sorry about that, well, guys. No. Um, that was a deep state. <laughs> yeah, that was the NSA shutting us down. Yeah. No, I don't know what. Uh, I don't know what happened there. The computer just went black. Was it Brian it singing? Just, it just. I mean, that's what it was. That's yeah. cool. well, the, the timing couldn't be better for the show to fail to curb enthusiasm's music. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine how dry the response was after you were after you sang that. Just uh, nothing whatsoever. It was literally silence, and I was like, "Well, it's happened again. It was <laughs> like, amazing. It's like the yeah. goddamn talent show all over again. Third grade." Come back to haunt me. <laughs> You're no. running down my pants leg is real. No, what I was trying to go for with the Netflix thing was, so you've got a, tons of good shows that are pinpointing just how terrible the actual situation is with the criminal justice system. I think they're really starting to change some people's minds. I mean, even I could say my wife, who was very much for the death penalty a year ago, has watched several shows from Netflix and all these other things and has said, you know, I just don't think I can go for it anymore now that I see that this happens. And you almost divorced and her, divorced her, but now you guys have now made we're, up. Now we were able to <laughs> get back together. I moved back in. But it, so Thank you, Netflix. What, you know, it'd be really cool is if they all took the same approach on the uh, foreign policy. If the, yeah, if, exactly if right. they, all these shows pinpointing exactly all the terrible things that happen and how maybe we're not a force for good over there like we think we are, how good would it be to have these documentaries like Longshot, which I know there's some. Well, I but, mean, like but, making a murderer was so popular. Yeah. It, yeah. Whether or not yeah. the guy did it, how much corruption they exposed. Well, just do making a terrorist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll just do Ma that. Yeah, we'll making a terrorist. We'll pitch that idea to him. <laughs> That's we'll a good see. idea. Well, you, know, was, you know, if you guys ever see the movie, uh, this is, you know, it was a War Machine, which I think was a Netflix <laughs> that original was a funny, film. That was, a, that was funny. That was a good one. Funny, funny film, but also, I mean, it was pretty pointed in that, you know, you've got the general in there and I'm blanking on the name of the general, but um, Brad Pitt played the general, but you know, it was really telling that we're over there and he's just frustrated. He can't get anything done. And he has that, that part where he goes, well, here's insurgent math. And he goes, here you go. I have 10 insurgents. 
I kill five insurgents, how many do they have? Or how many do I have left? And they go five. And he goes, wrong. I have 20 because I killed him. <laughs> now his brother's mad. His kids are mad. He's like, and now they become insurgents, which is the proper math. So he, there is, there is definitely a way to work that content in there. And, you know, from, again, to harken back to messaging and, and I know there are some libertarian um, industry kind of entertainment think tanks like Talisa Nexus is one um, that's trying to get more libertarian content out there. But, you know, kind of weaving these these narratives into mainstream culture is definitely possible. It's just remains to be seen if libertarians can get enough into the industry or create content that's engaging enough to get these messages out there without simply going, yeah, and, you know, yelling <laughs> at people on the internet and getting in fights on Facebook. I love that part. I've, I've shown so many people this part in War Machine where he's showing him the poppy fields, you know? Oh, yeah, And yeah. he's like, well, how about, we could, do, we could do cotton, but the, you know, the cotton industry is not going to allow taxpayer money to go towards something that's going to have to compete against American industries. Like, so we're growing heroin instead. <laughs> so good. Sorry. I was distracted by Brian's interpret or Brian's, uh, um, interpretation of norm mcdonald with the ah <laughs> pretty, good. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good that was pretty good. good so okay so now we can kind of we'll, we'll head towards the end here i want not not all the way there yet but we're getting there i want to ask you guys how do we convert people is that possible what would you say to a what can i say to a bernie sanders supporter if there's one sitting next to me right now, Charlie's brother, Avid, gives all of his money in the world to Bernie Sanders. What can you say to that person? Do you guys have anything? Have you cracked this code yet? I mean, go first, Brian. No, no, go for it. I, I mean, it's, it's very difficult. And the, the problem is when you have these conversations on Facebook, and I just had one the other day with a Bernie Sanders supporter, is... You, you don't really get to pick the topic. The topic's kind of shoved in your face. And it was, um, he was going on about how, you know, universal health care, if you're opposed to it, it's you, you're immoral and you're, you're in favor of harming others. So I just tried to ask questions back to him, just to try to get him to think. Then he accused me, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this term. He accused me of trying to sea lion him. No. Which I guess like sea lioning is like trolling and asking these rhetorical questions. They're so good with coming I mean, up with those just, things, by the way. You guys notice that there's like a term for they'll throw flag. I call it throwing flags like you're watching football. But the, no. those kind of people who don't want to really engage in a debate, they've mm -hmm. got all these debate terms that they'll throw at people that so mm -hmm. they don't actually have to respond. So, hey, I'm sorry for exactly. cutting you off, man. Keep going. <laughs> no, no, that's that's exactly what it is. I'm like, no, I just want to understand where you're coming from. And then I can, you know, present my point. And he just ended the conversation. But right. what I'm getting at with that is if you can, and this is more likely to happen in person or, if, you know, as Brian always does his, uh, his bar conversations, maybe he can give an example. <laughs> but uh, if you can find a place where you agree, maybe it's... Uh, you know, legalizing marijuana, something as, as, as small as that, or maybe it's foreign policy, or maybe it's, uh, it's not going to be a Bernie Sanders supporter cutting taxes, but maybe lowering spending, something like that. If you just find an area you, you agree on, um, or, or something just as, as core as, um, do we really own, you know, do we own our own bodies? Can we decide what we'll be put in our bodies or does, can the government decide that? And just try to get them thinking on that level rather than saying, this is why universal health care is wrong and it's going to kill us all. And um, you have to kind of 
try to bring it down to their level, which is very, very hard to do on social media. <laughs> we always yeah. try to, uh, you know, like you're saying, bringing it down, uh, try to agree with them on something. So we'll start off with, I totally agree. Healthcare is way too expensive. This way sucks. too expensive. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. It, it is difficult to afford anything. And that that's why... You know that that's why I'm a libertarian. That that is why I feel this way uh, because I've gone through all of the options and these are the best ones I can come up with. Like it's not that I think the healthcare system is amazing and we need to keep it the way it is and all the pricing's perfect. Like I totally agree with you, man. It's way too expensive. Let's let's try to actually fix it. You know, right. let, let's well, not just fix the price. Let's fix the cost. Well, a lot of this also is, you know, like we're talking about like flagging it or sea lining, which I've never heard of that before. You just said it, Odie. But all those tactics and techniques are, I've done some research into this and read read some papers on it, but it's a lot of people protecting their ego because we are in an age now where people are in the echo chamber. They've got their ego so intricately intertwined with these concepts as far as defining who they are that when you try to attack it, if you try to attack it head on, it's, uh, they call it like rebound theory. Basically, all you're doing is reinforcing their own belief, even if they are 100% wrong and it is demonstrable right in front of their face and you've got all the figures to prove it, it will in fact strengthen their own result because it's the rebound of it, bringing it on, you know, as you would imagine. So like we're talking about, the best way is to try to find something good ground or try to disarm that instant reflex of I'm in a fight, which is why I talk about trying to use comedy more to get in with these people, try to try to make it a little bit lighter, try not to keep them on the defensive and instead have them lower their guard a little bit to the point where you're like, look, we're just joking around here. You know, now let's try to slip in a little bit of of common sense. Yeah. One thing I can't get past, like, so, so my brother really is a Bernie Sanders fan, but, uh, through conversations over the years, he now considers himself a libertarian socialist. So he's at least adding the libertarian (laughs) term in there because, you know, he's against certain things like the government, uh, spending too much money or spending the money on the wrong things. And he's against police brutality and he's against drugs and stuff there, you know, the drug war and all that. So there's a certain things, but then he's a socialist, but, but he's, but he, But then he, what what I can't get past is I think some people are actually too far gone on certain issues. So, like he posts things like this. Uh, he, he shared a tweet where somebody said, "I don't know what the United States expects me to do if I catch the coronavirus. I can't afford the bill to go get tested for it, and I sure as hell can't afford the three weeks of self quarantine if I do get it. Capitalism built a system that you can't afford to do the right thing, and so I think people like that, it's too far gone because what you're trying to do is like lay the blame to to steal from Jordan Peterson a little bit here. It's like you're laying the blame of human suffering at the feet of mm-hmm. capitalism when suffering has been a fundamental part of human life for all of human existence. It's right. not it's, capitalism's it's, it's, fault. <laughs> and, and also count your blessings, how good you have it all the other times that you're not quarantined with a coronavirus right. because and, human the human poverty has gotten at the lowest possible levels. You know, we now have over 50% of the world, I think is uh, as middle-class status and you've never had more benefit. You never had more ease of living. You never had more access to technology or healthcare or anything else. You can go to this corner store and get most of the things to combat the coronavirus right here, just as far as average over the counter flu medications. So give me a goddamn break. (laughs) I I wanted, I asked him, I mean, where did this coronavirus, where did it come from? Where did it get out of control? You know, Warren did a big tweet thread saying that we needed centralization of power that we didn't, (laughs) that we didn't need all this separated and we had to have centralization of power in the white house to take care of infectious diseases and i'm like what 
what country are we talking about that has more centralization of power than China? And right. that's where this has gotten so out of hand. And you're sitting here telling me that the problem is that we don't have centralization of power. I'm like, excited to see if North Korea starts getting it, because that way we can go, look, even if you've got a violent dictator running things <laughs> and you've got a demilitarized zone where no humans are allowed to cross, it'll still get through. I, yeah. I guarantee you it's in North Korea. And uh, there's been rumors about it, but I mean, they'll never let that out. That it's <laughs> Kim Jong-un just firing his anti Killed 90% of the people or something. Trying to yeah. kill off viruses. <laughs> How's he going to blow up the coronavirus victims is what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I can't understand, I had this one girl respond to me on this thread that I'm in. And she said, you know, and, and I feel terrible for her, for her brother-in-law, but he had had a stroke and he was in his mid thirties and it was unexpected. And his wife was a nurse practitioner and they've got great insurance, but unfortunately he had to be life flighted to a hospital that was out of network. And the whole thing ended up costing him like 50 grand. Mm -hmm. And I understand that that's a terrible burden and that's awful. But I also see people on a daily basis. And one thing I try to compare is, is like, like look, you will spend 50 grand on a car, but if you're dead, because you didn't spend 50 grand to, to save your life, then you could never right. have the car anyway. And how does that not correlate in people's minds? I just don't, well, I, I can't get past when that. When you're thinking about value also, I mean, you'll go spend that 30 grand on a car. You know, I, I got a new car. It was 22,000. After I pay it all off, I'm going to pay almost 30 for it. But if I right. got a $30,000 bill from the, from the hospital, I would consider not paying it because this is highway robbery. There's no way I'm going to do that. Right. They, what they do save my life. This is ridiculous. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's like you're alive. <laughs> you know, how, they, how dare they charge you 50 grand to airlift you to a hospital quickly, <laughs> efficiently, safely, and perform a life-saving operation on you. Would you rather be dead? You know, yeah. would you rather be in uh, in Venezuela right now where you can't get that sort of treatment? You're not airlifting you anywhere in Venezuela. You're just dead. Yeah. It so, should all, it should yeah, all be free. Venezuela. All of these doctors and nurses and specialists should work for free. They shall be our slaves. And uh, yeah. they, they should work for 20 bucks a day like the doctors in Cuba do. That <laughs> that would be good. Right. Charlie's been to Cuba. He saw the hospitals with his own oh, eyes. Oh, man. That yeah. was uh, not the place you want to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw some pictures like blood buckets on the floor. Just really atrocious. Pretty. I just I, I try to draw that correlation with people. And that's one thing in this thread that I'm talking to people about. It's like I just can't get past how you don't see that thing. Like even if it cost you five hundred thousand dollars, like what is your life worth? Like you can make right. monthly payments to still be alive. Like, oh, thanks. Like, sorry, yeah. it is a life adjustment. And I and I healthcare is too expensive. I will agree with people on that. There we work in healthcare, by the way. One one of the businesses that we have that we operate that actually, you know, brings in our most money is is uh healthcare consulting on the financial side. So I understand mm -hmm. all of the rules and regulations. And guess what? We have healthcare is completely far from a free market. It's not capitalism's yeah. fault. Like Medicare basically dictates everything that health insurance companies do. And I know all of that because I know all the codes and all the shit that goes on behind the scenes and all of that. And so it frustrates the life out of me that I can lay the blame at capitalism's feet while using capitalism to complain about how they have to pay as much money as they would pay for a car to, that they're still alive. Like, yep. oh, oh, you know, Rockefeller couldn't even his one of his kids died because antibiotics wasn't even invented yet. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, uh, it's mind blowing. Well, you know, it's kind of fascinating to take it one step forward too, is just the fact that they do charge so much and the fact that they can charge that much money shows you how, how many people have succeeded and just how far we've come as a society where a $50,000 medical bill isn't seen as something that is in fact 
completely right wrecking that you'll pass on the debt to your generations of children under you and you have to sell your house and everything. I mean, sometimes people might have to do that, but capitalism taking people so far and giving us so much wealth that that is not something that people go, oh my God, over. They in it's, fact accept it because we have so much goddamn money thanks to capitalism. Not to defend healthcare, which is croniest, but just, you know, people don't recognize that as well. It's interesting that the items people complain about the most for being too expensive, um, healthcare, higher education, are two things that have the most government intervention to right. cause those prices to go up. And I mean, to compare it to the car uh, analogy, people really don't have a problem. Well, they do have a problem because they don't want to pay their bills, but they don't have a problem making the agreement to go to a college, get a degree in art history and pay 50 grand a semester. Um, they don't have a problem with that until they have to pay for it at the end when they realize <laughs> they're only making 30 grand a year at a, at a job or waiting tables or whatever. But it, it, it's really interesting. They're fine, you know, buying a house. Of course, there's a lot of intervention there by the government, but they're fine buying the car and, and all those different things. But when you try to, uh, you know, when you have something, a necessary need, like saving someone's life, well, that's, that can't be expensive. <laughs> can't, can't be. That's not worth anything at all. Yeah. Okay. Guys, we can wrap this up. I want you to tell me real quickly. I am, let's say I'm a Republican. Tell me why I should be a libertarian in, in, uh, in 10 words or less <laughs> right now. No, you don't have to do it in 10 words or less, but change my mind in under, under 30 seconds. If I'm a Republican listening right now. Uh, I'll take a first crack at it. Essentially freedom is the surest way forward as far as making money, as far as uh, interactions with people, as far as uh, a society's ability to continue. And as soon as you get more uh, largesse in government, as soon as you start overextending militaristically, that's where you see the fastest collapses of civilizations. History has proven this time and time again, which is why liberty is the one true answer. Nice. I will be short and sweet and talk about this more from a political influence angle. If you want to influence the Republican Party and change it, you have almost zero opportunity to. Um, I mean, everyone's bought and paid for. If you want to run as a candidate, you have to pay your dues. You got to say the right things. You got to talk off their template. Libertarian Party, you could go join your local Libertarian chapter and probably be the chair of the state in a year if you wanted to. So, <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very good. Very good. And you know what's really interesting about that? Since we believe in competition and free market, I mean, Libertarian Party, everyone needs to get involved and challenge the Republican Party to get better. You know, that yeah. maybe maybe yeah. they'll get better in the process. I mean, that would and on that same note, man, the more people that join the Libertarian Party, the more competition we have for those positions, for those ideas, the better the party will get as well. And like Cody said, you can influence it so easily. Uh, I mean, Yahoo's like you have a podcast that's popular. <laughs> Jerk-offs like us have a podcast that's popular. Somebody out there's got to be better. <laughs> All right. Speaking of your podcast, tell, tell us where everyone needs to go to know everything about you guys and get involved. Go ahead, Odie. Yeah, you can go to our website, lionsofliberty.com, if you like websites. If you like listening to our podcast, you can just go to your uh, your fancy phone in your pocket, pull up your app, and punch in Lions of Liberty in there, and uh, you'll see all of our shows right in the app, our Monday show, Wednesday show, uh, Electric Liberty Land with Brian, Friday show, Felony Friday with me, and uh, Mark Claire is on Monday. And, of course, we do 
you know, different debate recaps and things like that sprinkled in there. So you do get more content than just the three shows. That always, that always brings uh, Brian's show numbers down from what I hear. Always. It always (laughs) brings my numbers down. So always on Thursdays that they air. So my shows take a hit, but also if you want extra, extra content, you guys know this because you are uh, our supporters of the show, which we appreciate. You can go to patreon.com forward slash lions of Liberty. And we do it's an unbelievable amount of extra content for, uh, for our subscribers. Yeah. I was going to say just so everyone who's listening knows, I mean, if you run a podcast, they have got insanely cheap opportunities to get your name out there for your podcast. Mm-hmm. So take advantage <laughs> of it before they figure out how terrible of a deal it is for them. We, we already did. Okay. We are, you're the last ones to get it. We already decided. Yeah. I, I, when I saw that, literally, I mean, I literally could have had $100 in my bank account. And when I saw that, I literally went and bought it immediately. I was like, holy <laughs> no. crap. Because you you're a greedy capitalist. I, I, That's why. I immediately <laughs> took it. No, you guys can, I mean, ch- hey, change the plan. We'll go along. We'll go along yeah, with no, it, we, you know? we, you're grandfathered in, but no, okay. we're, we're going to add some new tiers and because uh, we're, we're also, our podcast is, is quickly gaining listeners too. So we're going to have to adjust it anyway. But uh, yeah, you got in, you're grandfathered in. So yes. thank you for your support. That was a good trade. That was a good buy right there for well, us. <laughs> nice investment. Before Mark starts singing again and we get cut off Mark, from this. His uh, name isn't Mark. So I'm sorry. Yeah, God damn it. I'm going to come to Tennessee. Brian. I'm going to go. Uh, you know, every time uh, God, I think I'm, about. I'm blanking on the name of the quarterback who came through with the Tennessee Titans. You know, it was so terrible. Every, I keep thinking about Mark. You want to know why? Because the Super Bowl commercial stuck in my head it's like mark he's got smart pack that's why you're thinking oh, of mark. I, I don't Just know why that. It, it's like stuck <laughs> in my head for some reason anyway before brian starts singing again yes, i wanted to say uh it was great talking to you guys good conversation and we really appreciate you guys joining the show yeah thanks for Thank having you. us on for sure uh i'd actually be interested in getting a little bit down to the nitty-gritty of healthcare with you guys at some point so i'll hit you up to have you on and uh kind of dive into that that exactly the croniest, uh, deep-seated interweavings that you were so familiar with. So my audience would, can learn a little bit more about that. But yeah, yeah. Hit us up. We'll do it. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, cool. guys. Have a awesome. good weekend. All right, uh, you, too. you too, gentlemen. All right. Thanks. Adios. Later.